Amy Rose here. I'm calling up my work friends to see what's happening in Dearborn County, Indiana. Together we're going to find out more about what's going on in our community and of course talking tobacco. Welcome to Call My Work Friends. I'm your host Amy Rose at the Dearborn County Health Department. Today's friend we're going to call is Danielle Becker. She is with Safe Passage slash Safe Place for Hope. She has already answered so we don't have to ring the phone. <laughs> Welcome Danielle. Hi, thank you for having me. Awesome to have you. Um, so please, let's just start off with the, the, the big question. Explain to me what the difference is between Safe Place and Safe Passage. Then we'll dive deeper into your specific realm of the two. Awesome. Um, so Safe Passage, Safe Place, um, they can be very intertwined, but definitely Safe Passage is our domestic violence services. Um, and so those are really geared towards survivors of domestic violence. And so we have, um, and then our safe place are really geared towards our sexual assault survivors. Um, so although they are very intertwined, um, we find a lot of domestic violence survivors have had um, sexual assault in their past. Um, those services can look very different for how you really address those two different types of trauma. Um, but with um, both of those, we offer residential and non-residential services. So we do have a shelter in Ripley County that people can come to, rather they're a survivor of domestic violence or sexual assault or both. Um, and then we offer our non-residential services as well. So those would be people who um, on the domestic violence side that have a safe place to stay, but they may still want some of our services. So they may want court accompaniment. They may want help um, navigating the legal system if they're trying to go um, through divorce, like what that looks like, um, if they need a protective order, any of those services that we would provide in our shelter, we can provide to those non-residential clients as well. Um, and that goes the same for a safe place with our sexual assault survivors as well. So we do court accompaniment, we do support group. We do um, a lot of self-care planning, a lot of safety planning um, to really get people to think through, you know, their everyday things that could become triggers to them. You know, how are you going to navigate that? Um, so we work with them on that and then um, really connecting them to other resources that they need. So, you know, we're one piece of the puzzle when you're trying to overcome trauma and you're trying to really um, you know, work through your healing journey. Like we're a piece of that. So we really want to, you know, wrap our clients um, around with multiple services. So really figuring out like everything that they need and how we can connect them to those resources. That's it. That's a lot. It's a lot yeah, of services, do. a lot of need. You yeah. said the shelter um, is in Ripley County. Do you serve other counties? Yeah, so we serve six counties. We serve Ripley, Dearborn, Ohio, Franklin, Jefferson, and Switzerland counties. So if there's anybody in those counties that need shelter, we do um, help with transportation to get them to our shelter. Um, we'll even work with uh, their kids if their kids are in schools um, and figuring out some sort of transportation to either get their kid back to the school or if it makes sense if they're going to be in our shelter long term to um, have their child you know, move schools for a period we can help work with that as well. So we really try to look at what barriers they may have to coming into shelter um, and figuring out ways to really combat those barriers that they might have. Now, is, is there any other shelter besides the Safe Passage Shelter and how many people um, can you accommodate in that particular shelter? 
So as far as domestic violence, there are some other shelters, um, not within our six counties that we serve. We're only one in there. There is, um, you know, one in Cincinnati. There's one in Northern Kentucky. We do have one. Um, it's hit or miss about the one in Greensburg. Like that one was open, closed. Um, and then there are, um, there is one in Columbus, Indiana. So we try to do a lot of, um, if we're full, like we'll call around to other shelters, like, hey, where else can you get it in? Um, especially like Madison and Jefferson, we also work um, for shelters in Louisville to see like if even that's an option for them. Um, and then as far as our capacity, we can do like 30 to 35 um, people to stay. It really um, kind of depends on our room structure. So if we have a family, then they're gonna take up one room where if we have um, a couple single people, then they can share rooms with it. So um, our capacity can look a little bit different, but we always um, want people to call um, our helpline and we will try to get them into shelter. If we can't get them into shelter because we are full, um, we ha do have some other options um, like maybe a hotel or, you know, again, getting them to another shelter. Um, we really try to gauge, um, we call it a lethality gauge. So we really gauge like how severe their safety is and how, um, how much they're at risk um, and make sure we're not like missing any of those pieces. If it's somebody that is really, truly, truly needs like that safety immediately, like we will find a place for them to go. Does um, the hotline cover both services, um, the uh, domestic violence and the sexual assault services? So is it one number for both? We do have two numbers. Um, so the domestic violent number is 877-733-1990 and the sexual assault center is 812-932-7233, um, which also spells safe for that last piece um, as well. So um, you can call, if you have a sexual assault specific, definitely call that sexual assault line. Um, and then if you have any other needs or questions, you can call that domestic violent line as well. And then we are um, rolling out tech services. This is like brand new. We just started um, actually earlier this week with it. And so it's the, the domestic violent line. It's the 877-733-1990 um, between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. So there will be, um, our lines are staffed 24 seven, 365 with advocates. And um, those same advocates will be answering that tech service line um, between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. So we eventually will build it out for it to be, you know, the texting service 24 seven as well. But as we're starting to like learn and, and figuring out capacity, um, it is just between that 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. But if somebody does um, text after those hours, they will get um, an automated response to call our helpline. That's amazing because I can imagine if you're in one of those instances, <clears throat> the you know, the person who's trying to cause you harm might listen to you all the time. It might be easier to send a very quick text than, you know, to make an actual phone call. So that's great that you guys are doing that. Yeah. Um, we found um, a, a big reason too for the push for the tech services where we were finding a lot of people reaching out through social media. Um, and so that is an option as well. If people feel that they need um, to reach out through social media, we that is definitely an outlet um, for people for those exact reasons that you said. Yeah, you guys have a really great Facebook uh, group, uh, community group um, under Safe Place. It's very active. Um, you guys are really good about putting out content. So that's awesome. 
Um, Danielle, let's talk specifically about what you do. You you are on the safe place sexual assault side, correct? Um, I was on the, the safe place sexual assault side. Um, I have now transitioned to prevention. Um, so I do a mix of domestic violence and sexual assault prevention work um, with it. So, um, but I would love to talk about being on the sexual assault team because I love that very much. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk about both, but hey, if you're listening, yeah. pro tip, this is why you call your friends regularly because things change. Right? <laughs> tell, uh, you, you tell me about either one you want to, Danielle. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so the sexual assault piece, so that was, um, you know, doing that advocacy work. So working with survivors, um, definitely working through their trauma, getting them to resources, um, say safety planning and self-care planning is like such a huge piece. I think people underestimate, um, self-care planning and really what that entails when we talk about our emotional and our mental health with it. Um, so, you know, really working with survivors and being um, that rock for them and being that person that believes them, because sometimes when people come forward that are survivors, um, sometimes that basic idea of being believed and being reminded that it's not their fault is completely missed. So to be that person that, you know, gets to be their cheerleader and remind them, you know, that it's not your fault, this, you know, you didn't cause this to happen. Um, is probably one of the best things with working with survivors um, with that. So yeah, that, that was very like, rewarding, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 It can definitely be um, hard to hear those things because um, I'm a very empathetic person. So when you hear a lot of those stories, um, it can be really tough. And it's, it's so hard to think that that happens and that that goes on and it's just like your heart just hurts for those people um but i love trying to be part of the solution and really um try to help them on their healing journey so that they can you know have these like fully productive and thriving lives um that we see doesn't always happen when there's not that intervention with it um so we really i, I love doing that with it um and so part of my role on the sexual assault team was also doing prevention work. So that was going into the high schools and partnering with our prevention team and doing our high school curriculum. But a very important topic, especially heading into spring break and prom season. Yes, yes. Um, we know that one in three teens will experience either physical physical, sexual, or both um, types of abuse from their dating partner. So um, when we go in the class and talk about it, we have like a student stand up and do that one in three and they look around and you just see their eyes, you know, just like pop out and they're like, you know, you kind of have half of the room that's like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. And then you have the room that's, um, you know, very surprised by that statistic. And I think um, adults are very surprised by that because they don't think that it happens or they think that, um, you know, it's just puppy love or they're just being dramatic as teenagers. But we know that um, youth who experience teen dating violence are four times more likely to be in a domestic violent relationship into adulthood. So um, when you see how much domestic violence um, happens and you think like, okay, if we can stop this in their youth, um, and I feel like that could dramatically, you know, lessen that percentage of adults that experience it. Yeah, and as wide open as we are as a community, like talking about more things, being more accepting of things, this is still something that is is kept quiet. 
right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when we go into schools and you know we say we're going to talk about sexual assault, I mean it's it's you know we're I mean we have to like very like like okay we're going to talk about this this and we're going to talk about sexual assault. You know you have to just be like so mindful and we have to get you know parental consent um, for a lot of it and so it definitely. Um, it's definitely a challenge, which is kind of crazy when you look at our culture because you see sexualization everywhere yeah. in our culture. I was um, just going to ask you about that because I have questions. Like, I yes. I heard a very very graphic tune the other day by a woman um, that I was shocked. Um, but we all know every song is about a dog or you know a loved one or a yeah. lover or ex lover or something. You know. Um, but every show has naked people on it. Um, mm-hmm. Every movie has very graphic sex scenes. Um, they're exposed to it very early on, but you can't talk about sex in schools anymore. And um, I know you can't see me, uh, but I'm older. And when I was in school, there was like a fishbowl full of condoms at the guidance counselor's office. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole point was, it's not just about teen pregnancy. You know, it's also about sexually transmitted diseases and other things. Um, and, you know, that was a long time ago. And now it's like that you cannot even mention condoms or sex to a, a person under 20 without getting looks or like, how dare you? But yeah. at the same time, they're probably on their phone listening to, to a song or watching a music video where everyone's half naked. Yeah, so how do you address that in your programming? Yeah, we definitely um, talk about that. We talk about a concept called normalization where um, unhealthy behaviors are so normalized that people don't think that they're unhealthy anymore. So when we have that conversation with our youth, we um, actually pull out some music videos. We look at Taylor Swift, Blank Spaces, that video, um, uh, Jonas Brothers, or one of the Jonas kids. That's okay. Like, well, this is not Jonas Brothers trivia. We're we're good. <laughs> um, so we'll pull those videos, and um, so we'll define, you know, what um relationship abuse is, what sexual assault is, and then we watch those videos. And so, um, you know, now after they're educated on what the what those things really are, and then we have a watch these videos, they start to see it. You know, they start to see like wow, like I've watched this video, you know, a couple of times, I've never questioned if this help, if the, this is healthy or unhealthy. Um, and so once we start talking about that, we say like, you know, you get to choose what you consume, you're going to overflow with what you consume. Um, so being those people that think critically about what you consume, and, you know, we're not saying don't ever consume that stuff, like never, ever listen to, you know, pop culture anymore, or rap or any of that. But just be aware of like what you're saying, and knowing that what you're taking in is going to have an impact on you so you know is what you're taking in truly reflecting like your heart and truly reflecting like who you are and who you want to be um and so when we have you do that yeah because normalization is a huge tactic in marketing period Um, I, i do the exact same thing when i talk about nicotine products or tobacco products i show them ads i show them video games red dead redemption 2 TV shows, Stranger Things, everyone's smoking. So yeah, it's good. You have to show them that different perspective. They have to be smart consumers and yeah. they have to be mindful of what it is that product um, is selling to them. 
So yeah. I, I love that you do that too. I'm so happy to hear that because marketing is just, you know, we lap it up, whatever it is. <laughs> my, my favorite, yeah, if you, I always tell kids, um, think about Taco Bell commercials. You see those nachos, they look so good. And you, do you go there and, and it looks just like the commercial? It never oh, looks just like the commercial. <laughs> so you always have to be mindful of marketing tactics. But yeah, there's a lot of selling sex in all of those things you just mentioned. I think that's great that you bring those up to them. Yeah, yeah. And we want them, we want them to think critically about it and we want to change the culture. Um, and so if you can't have these conversations with youth, like you're never going to have that culture shift that you want to see. Um, and so it's super important to have these conversations with um, youth for sure. And I think the next level of that is having conversations with the parents. Um, so we do offer like um, parent workshops. It's super important to start getting like the parents and caregivers involved in some of those conversations too, because we want the kids to go home and continue that conversation and have those safe people to be able to, you know, have these open conversations with and, um, you know, really be able to, you know, express how they're feeling. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, a lot of, of these how should I put this? Well, I was going to ask you if you could give some tips um, for people to, for parents really, to maybe um, help them notice these be this negative behavior that maybe their kids are hiding from them. Because mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can imagine that most kids wouldn't want to tell their parent. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They should. All kids should go straight to their mommies, daddies, grandmas, whoever. <laughs> I'm not saying they shouldn't, but. I know they probably do not um, because they're probably concerned they're going to get in trouble or that their parents will be, you know, um, disappointed in them. But uh, yes, please give us some tips on how to talk to our kids. Yes, absolutely. Um, we actually survey our students when we go into the schools once we finish. And one of the question is, who would you turn to for help? And a majority of them will say they're friends or peers. Um, so we know that that's who they're going to. Um, most of the time when they're in these relationships. Um, I think really the foundation starts with relationship building and having a good relationship with your child. Um, so I think like definitely focusing on having that good relationship with them and building assets in your kids um, and having those, um, that is the foundation and continuing to check in on them. Um, but some of the red flags for sure are any sort of like attitude change that you're seeing in them, which can be super hard when you're talking about youth, right? Like, Especially a teenager. <laughs> right? um, but then that kind of goes back to like when you have that, um, that relationship with them to be able to know like, okay, these are, the, yeah, they have an attitude, but it's not their normal attitude with it. Um, a big one we see is appearance change. So if they, you know, maybe they color their hair, maybe they used to wear like sweatpants all the time and now they're dressing up or they used to dress up all the time. Now they're wearing sweatpants. Um, for females, if they, you know, don't wear makeup, now all of a sudden they're wearing a ton of makeup or vice versa, coloring their hair. Um, we see that a lot of times where the abusive partner will um, want, you know, want their partner to look a certain way. So then they have them change with that um, risk-taking behaviors. So, you know, any of that, like, drug, um, you know, anything like that, that's increasing that's out of the ordinary. Um, that's a really red flag. Um, and another big one that we see is them like 
constantly texting somebody, um, which again is hard because they're on their phone all the time. But I always encourage parents, like if your child is in the home, you have full access to their technology. Um, and so if you feel like, you know, they're texting too much with their partner or they're getting short with you because they're, they're, um, you know, because of their partner wants to know where they are all the time. Or, you know, they say things like, oh, I was at a basketball game and my partner just showed up and they didn't know that I was there. Um, that's probably because their partner's tracking them, you know, on their device. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a big one that we're seeing a big increase in is that digital abuse piece of it. So, you know, I always encourage parents, like, I know it might, be scary to be like, hey, like, let me check your phone or something. I know it's like can be kind of crazy, but um, that's like the best way for that digital abuse to really be able to catch it um, for because it happens um, a lot and they're doing a lot on social media. They're doing a lot on different apps. Um, and oh, so yeah. I think all of those things are I, I know I'm going to have to disseminate those into different episodes. Like there's the whole dark web thing that I don't think parents even realize you know, the internet is more vast than the universe. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I always encourage them. Like, you don't necessarily need to know everything, but knowing, like, if you check your, your child's devices regularly, like, you'll be able to see, like, okay, this was a new app that was added. Not that I necessarily need to know what it is, but if I do, at least I can say, like, this is new. Let me go research it. Mm -hmm. And then I can figure out if that's, like, a healthy one or not. Um because excessive texting, like I said, showing up when their partner didn't tell them where they're at, like that, those are really common things that we're seeing um, with it. Um, and another big one is like a shift in friendships too. Like if they're all of a sudden in like a different friend group or they completely disconnect from their friends um, or like an extracurricular activity that they're doing, like those are really big red signs too. Um, to really check in. And, and we always say like, it doesn't necessarily mean they're in an abusive relationship. It just warrants a deeper conversation because they could be, something else could be going on with them, you know, with mental illness or bullying or something else. But that's where like really being clued in and having that relationship as the foundation, then you can, you know, really check in and just have conversation starters. Like, yeah, you're hey, absolutely like, right. That goes along with other substances too. I mean, underage drinking, marijuana use, and of course, vaping and tobacco. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it's hard to be cued into teenagers' parents. I know I used to have one, um, but <laughs> you, you have to keep trying to talk to them every day. Um, that's all you can really do, right, Danielle? I mean, just have open conversation as often as possible. Yeah. And I think for anybody who has like younger kids, I think like the sooner you can start some of those open conversations, not that you have to go as super in-depth on things, but just like reminding them like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm this person you can come and talk to. And if they are not comfortable or you don't feel like you have that relationship, plug your kids into other places, you know, plug them into, you know, you other youth places or, you know, activities that have those trusted adults that if you can't be that person for your child, surround them with people who can be, um, because that's really what they need. Um, they need those trusted adults that they can go to and, and that continuation of it, you know, they might not be ready to talk about it, but, but you, they need to know you're there when they are ready to talk yeah, about it. Absolutely. Um, in our coalition, our Nicotine Action Alliance, um, Nicole Colvin, who, who used to be your, yeah, yeah your yeah. workmate, um, she's still a good friend of ours. Um, she and I had had a conversation um, 
Well, this kind of, it really overlaps our two services because um, I had gone to Nashville, talked to some other organizations, and we, we learned about what's called vape rape, which is a trend where rohypnol is put into vape devices instead of doping drinks to uh, assault people. Now abusers were putting rohypnol in vapes because it was so much easier. Um, and and sh she confirmed that, yeah, there are issues uh, around the vaping and abuse, um, and that even so, some abusers would um, control um, these ladies with their cigarettes and other substances, and that's how they would control how they acted or where they went. I mean, is, is that very prevalent? Do you yeah. find that a lot? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of the time, especially rather it's like vaping, um, cigarettes, um, even like you know, opioid drugs, any type of that stuff, like that is usually like the hook with the abuser um, with it. So it's like really hard because you'll have people who will come in even to our shelter and, um, you know, they'll say, and then they'll return to their abuser. Well, it's because now they have this, this drug addiction and how do you, you know, how do you like stop them? It's like, what comes first, the apple or, you know, the car right. or the horse or whatever, you know, it's like, you got to address that addiction at the same time because their abuser is also their provider with that. Um, and that's, I mean, you'll have people who don't, um, may have never, you know, experienced with that, but then they start dating somebody and then that person gets them hooked on it. And then that's how they continue to control them. Yeah. Um, and it's that. even more tied into the emotional Yes. Toxic emotional connection, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I for sure want you to give us those hotline numbers again and the websites because I know you guys have tons of tips. And, and uh, before we went live here, we were discussing your asset bags, which I think were brilliant. Uh, Danielle put together these really great bags with action items based around asset building, which if you're not familiar with asset building, Google it, 40 developmental assets. I think they changed the name, but um, it's just really great uh, skill set to have. So yeah. um, if you could go ahead and give us all your contact info, um, that would be super awesome. Awesome. So um, our helpline that you can call or text between, call 24-7, text between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. is 877-733-1990. Um, and that's for domestic violence or any other um, issues. And then our sexual assault line is 812-932-7233. Um, and then we have websites. So we have um, safeplaceforhope.org is a website, Safe Passage Inc org is a website and safepassageprevention.org is a website as well. Um, and then we are also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you guys have a really great that. podcast too called We Do Talk About That Here, which I love the name yeah. of that. It's so clever. Yeah, we need to get some new episodes rolling out, but um, yeah, we, we want to talk about those taboo things that, um, you know, we can't talk about or people think we can't talk about when in reality we really need to be having those conversations absolutely well this has been a really great conversation you are a joy to talk to um you? i'm sure i will call you again soon um i call everyone often anyway but <laughs> it's always record it all so i really appreciate your time um and thank you for being on call of my work friends yes thank you so much thank you thanks so much danielle